welcome to the audio podcast element of the Money Shop Project. My name is Sarah Lou Newman and I'm an artist, art educator and facilitator. The Money Shop Project is part of the Central St. Martin's MA Applied Imagination and has been working over the last couple of years towards examining the relationship between sex ed and porn. When starting to look at the roots of a rise of sexual harassment and assault in our schools, it became clear very quickly what a huge influence porn has. The average first age to see hardcore internet porn is 9 to 11 years old. Porn is where and how most children and adults learn about sex. The difference in early experiences of parents who grew up without the internet and their digital native kids is vast. Pornhub has been described as the third largest cultural influencer on our society ever after Google and Amazon. And it gets more hits per month than Amazon, Netflix and Twitter combined, further heightened with the effects of COVID-19 as we shifted our lives even more online. And yet we don't talk about this. We see the effects of it creeping in, but for many reasons it's hard to confront. Few people really consider the power and effect the huge online tube sites have. They go virtually unregulated, facilitate abuse of adults and children, are closely linked to sex trafficking, addiction and depression, and have been proven to cause a dehumanised view of women and girls when watched excessively. But there is also a growing world of ethical, feminist, equality and pleasure-focused pornography that has a strong community of producers, performers and consumers around it. The Money Shot Project asks questions of what happens when porn replaces proper informed sex education, as well as how we can support parents in having those difficult but very important discussions with our kids. Artworks and creative process are used to facilitate this vital discourse, running sex ed for parents workshops, collage and making events, and we're now putting together an exhibition. To go alongside this show, we have interviewed sex educators from different fields, and we look at artworks reflecting some of these themes as a jumping off point. In this episode, I discuss the film Pleasure, the directorial debut of Swedish filmmaker Ninja Thyberg, with curator and art facilitator Olga Murphy. The film enjoyed much success in Cannes and Sundance, and is the culmination of years of immersive research by the director. It follows newcomer Bella Cherry, and we are taken on an honest and intimate journey through the LA porn industry. Um, I think, but it's a particular sort of interest that I have anyway, I think most of us do, this kind of idea of what consent means and how kind of blurry um, it is. And for all of us, I think a lot of us are not sure kind of, um, yeah, what, you know, where the line is being overstepped. And I think that film did quite a good job showing kind of two experiences of um, Bella. So one where she was, you know, it was a rough scene and it was being directed by the team. Mm. Um, But it was really professional, the way it was handled for lots of reasons. And then the sort of Gonzo style rough scene with the, the, that, that came kind of after that. And I think that was just so like really hard to watch, but just fascinating in terms of um, how different the experience was Mm -hmm. um, and how kind of what was done to sort of shift the power. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I thought that was, that, that stuck with me the most sort of those two scenes and just what it showed you. Um, well, I thought yeah. it's interesting because the film sort of somewhat opens with the or her first ex- first sort of scene where she's going into it, her first experience of filming the porn. It's like um, 
uh, you know, that, and I've read that they do that where they film her with the, her driving license and her, and then today's paper, and they're like, "Are you agreeing to this? Are you agreeing to that?" Um, uh, and then what was, you know, what's interesting in terms of a sex ed perspective is like one of the things that is taught in the um, the sort of sex ed workshops that I was in at the schools with the sort of like thirteen year old boys or whatever. They were talking about consent, obviously a lot, um, but they were very like consent can be revoked at any point. And they were making that very clear. Uh, it's mm. not enough to just say yes at the beginning. You, you have the right to say, you know, no at any point. Yeah. Um, and how that's then portrayed in the film, because obviously she asks them to stop in that like really awful rough scene. Um, but then the, sh the stuff they say to her, you know, they're like, you know, won't it feel good to say yes? And, you know, let's just get it done and it'll be over before you know it. And, you know, yeah. and then he turned and they're, you know, they're supposedly really nice because it is quite interesting to see, you know, you're, you're taken aback by like how rough and how horrible it is. And then it stops the minute she says no, they're all like, and they're like, oh, are you okay? Da, da, da. But they're like stroking her and, you know, giving her sort of these like forehead kisses like she's a child. Yeah, it felt yeah. really like, you know, so that sort of element of coercion was just so... It was so blatant, but also so subtle. Mm. You know, I she obviously just didn't feel like she could say no, really. Um, and why would she? Exactly. She, yeah. Again, a power kind of disparity. She's naked. Yeah. 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 Uh, outnumbered. Outnumbered. Um, kind of being treated in this sort of what would feel, you know, a, a kind, caring way. But yet, tr as you say, sort of infantilized treated like a child um and her body being handled in that way yeah yeah, yeah. if she was dressed if she had some physical distance she that her ability to probably say no would, would have, have been, been much different. easier yeah yeah and um the way that you're like i was i was really interested by like the men in this movie because you don't really get to know any of them and i just thought god like how how must it feel to be the guys doing that as well like the you know there are people out there i mean they're all porn actors in the movie there's no like acting it's all like there's no sort of trained acting it's all porn actors and mm. i just wondered like what do they how must it feel to be doing that to women are they do they find it easier to compartmentalize it as kind of acting and performance or how do you feel coming out of the scene having done all those things was really interesting and obviously this is a movie that is specifically sort of made from the female gaze and about you know the female gaze and the need for that within porn and the the director um was like an anti-porn activist at one point and then she's this film was made um she made like a short film kind of about this stuff and had written a thesis about porn and feminist porn and then uh spent like five years in the porn scene in la like interviewing people before she then made this film okay. um so everyone's like real in fact the guy the guy with all the tattoos in the in the sort of consensual bdsm scene it, i recognize from some of the like fem uh, from like erica lust and some and also some of her like soft core platforms and things um so and i think you know it's interesting that the, like you're saying that the juxtaposition between those two obviously is really intentional uh, you know, they're both like rough scenes where she's, you know, she's physically tied up in one of them, but in a weird way, that's the more consensual. And she sort of comes out of it feeling like she, you know, she says, oh, I found my niche and I'm quite submissive actually. And she kind of enjoyed it um, because she felt empowered and cared for by all those people. And that was directed by a woman. And I thought it was interesting that we only see that snippet really of that side of it. Mm. 
yeah and it does sort of make you think I think well I think the, the big thing from that was just how, how unregulated it is mm-hmm. I think that's it there is a way clearly to do this well I guess that's ethical porn um but just sort of as an industry as well as any kind of I guess industry there's the, where there's kind of blurred lines it's you know you've got anyone and and everyone kind of doing it um yeah and, and I just wonder what you know what percentage is like that that particular kind of scene you know how what much is it, like the the more positive yeah yeah yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, you know I, I'd be curious to, to sort of know and, and and it's true yeah and it felt like a proper set versus like most of the porn you see have kind of filming is like done in these kind of random houses that just are like like rental houses and they've got there's no like i know the aesthetics of them is quite weird sometimes in a clinical kind of way rather than like a it, it's weirdly decorated or something it's like they're really empty these kind of shell houses um one of the things that the director was saying as well on on this consent thing is like she was saying that um that the performers all say would often say to her like oh yeah I can say no anytime and I can stop it whenever I want and then she said well tell me about the last time you did that and then none of them had an example of it because they were like oh but then you you just don't because you don't want to be like seen to be causing a fuss or be problematic or you know which is something you often hear about women in work situations of any kind where it's like you don't want to be stigmatized as being like the drama or whatever and you're not going to get booked again yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. um yeah you felt like there was so much pressure which again there always is if you think about kind of from the director's and the team that are working on these shoots they have, they've booked out space, time. There's a, a sort of sense of get getting the job done, which we all understand. Yeah. You're there, you've got a window. Well, they and- say that to her too, don't they? Like, turn on a dime. They're like, one minute, they're like, oh, you know, you're fine and it's fine. And they keep saying to her, oh, you're so strong, which I found oh. really <laughs> annoying. Like, what a sort of, yeah, coercive way to kind of really fuck with a word that should be empowering, yeah. but is actually used against you. Like, oh, you're so strong. And, uh, and they say, oh, you could, you know, later on, she's complaining to her manager. She's like, or the agent guy. And she's like, um, he says well if you couldn't handle it then don't do it and it's like well so the the burden of like consent is always on the women to say no or to stop it and the burden of like um how far you're prepared to go and uh, you know it was yeah really strange um yeah yeah, they're They're just like oh you know you're fucking with everybody's money yeah yeah um, but also, in what capacity should you ever have to be strong in a mm. in a job? Mm. What a strange kind Such a good of point. Um, yeah. What what a strange sort of expectation, and that it's sort of accepted. So weirdly, people understand that it's difficult. Yes. But but yet, then nothing is done to honestly kind of. Um, make it less so as you say the the, the onus is on the the performers the, the the women in particular um yeah and I think what I liked about the kind of uh, more ethical scene was just how they understood they understood how about how her body was being handled with respect and kind of care yeah um that her other needs were being met so yeah. you know this idea of kind of does she want a drink uh, does she want a ro- her robe on this idea of sort of protecting her body and making separation so like 
separating from the performing act and the sort of person yeah um and even those really like you're saying the spaces that they use like the sort of um the more like the the rooms in houses like there's no separation between set and then the other side of things when when they're off Mm -hmm. um yeah so I think those boundaries that there's I mean clearly they're important in life anyway but you can really see that the physical boundaries the book about the body about when you're on when you're off for the performers Mm. um yeah so so again yeah just back to that scene it was just yes so sort of well handled um yeah I can't remember what you were going back to. What we well, were and that's about. interesting that you said that about the boundaries as well, because it's like, you know, later on when she um, she brings her friend Joy in to do that scene later on with her, and it's the guy that Joy has, like, pushed into a pool earlier at a party who she hates, and, you know, she, she the moment where she essentially sort of betrays her friend and, and mm. like, um, by not supporting her and kind of minimising the... But there there's another example of, like, the guy there is blurring his boundaries. He's doing stuff to her in the like recording uh, filming section of that scene where he's saying shit to her and she's like no you're talking about something that happened outside mm. of work essentially and he's yeah. bringing that into their performance yeah so there's like a blurring of that line in absolutely a way. yeah and you also see the blurring of exactly that same line with the scene between um bella and eva yeah you know the sort of the very high profile porn um actress um where she's playing out her feelings about Eva Ava yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, her kind of she, there's a long standing she's sort of aiming to to I guess be Eva and to sort of have the sort of level of fame that she has and there's sort of resentment in that scene. She sort of, she's playing out her feelings. It's a really um, interesting power dynamic in that scene, I think, because it's yeah. like, it starts off with Ava being like, oh, I don't want to like go down on her because she's got a yeast infection. So she's like, oh, I'm, she's elevating herself between the two of them in that situation. And then Bella just completely flips it. She and, does, yeah. And, and um, yeah. But it, using the, the strategies that others have used on, on her. Yeah. Like yeah, the yeah, language, yeah. the sort of the... Uh, the line she's crossing a line and interestingly um, she's doing it like with a strap on so she's taking that sort of male position yeah. between the two of them if you want to look at it in a sort of heteronormative way yeah um, and using a sort of tool of patriarchy to like really fuck her and they know what's going on like the two of them are so aware mm. that that is happening and that they're doing that to each other and then they have that kind of silent car ride later towards the very end of the movie and you know and Bella apologizes which I thought was really interesting interesting and Ava's like for what you know because there's like this horrible kind of acceptance of the situation it is what it is and we are part of it absolutely Um, and that's kind of interesting that to sort of get to that level Ava it has this sort of blankness about her yes yeah and and to to get to that level she's had to well that's what it seems like one one has to do within that framework yeah totally that that she's 
she's had to become that way. There's an interesting sort of uh, look there. It's sort of hierarchies as well, because it's like you've yeah. got these sort of hierarchies of like levels of like, you know, you've got sort of Joy and Bella who are ostensibly like friends, but there's a hierarchy of like, you know, Bella I think clearly comes from a sort of more privileged background than Joy. Joy gets called kind of white trash a lot. And then mm. you've got Ava who's like this next level and she's like, and she's reached that level because she's like a Spiegler girl. And that is actually him being himself the Spiegler um uh you know she's a spiegler girl she's and she's got that kind of very um Dieter von Tees kind of vintage pin-up look about her her aesthetic and um and then when uh, when Bella does what she needs to do which we'll get into in a minute but like the the sort of thing that she does to try and elevate herself up to that next level to get the attention she needs to kind of become a spiegler girl um but then even then she, you know, it's like, oh, you're always looking to that next rung of the ladder. So then mm -hmm. she she achieves it. She gets signed with that, uh, with him and his like group of girls or whatever. But then she's at that sort of trade show in Vegas and no one's paying her any attention. And she's just stood at her booth on her own and she has to really like put herself back out there again. And it's quite interesting to sort of see those kind of that ladder of climbing mm. that ladder, those hierarchies kind of illustrated. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you ever were, you know, there are hierarchies within patriarchy as well, you know, and everyone on the lower rungs of those is affected sort of more, you know, Bella's both a victim and also not, you know, when you look at her compared to, you know, to Joy or the way she sort of betrays Joy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just thought it was really interesting to see sort of class yes. being brought into that and how that was actually as it is in the world, played out very much there too. Mm -hmm. You know, Joy being kind of um, kind of called white trash um, and, and how that plays into this hierarchy also, which I thought, I don't know why I thought that the porn industry would might be a different kind of bubble, but actually, interestingly not, you know? Um, and I guess when you're talking about power and ambition, people will use anything yeah um, yeah and yeah yeah and I think porn when we I mean we should clarify because we're talking about like the gonzo kind of rough junk food is what we sort of talk about porn like this kind of you know the shitty end of it um it does exacerbate all of our worst kind of societal traits when we talk about racism within porn um which is you know it's difficult for us to get too much interest because we're two white women but like the fact that she sort of has to use the you know the extreme the most extreme act the interracial uh double penetration that she does in a strategic move to get to followers get success be you know she has to amp up what she's prepared to do in order to be a speaker girl you know they say you know you've got to be doing anything you've got to be prepared to do anything to be a speaker girl but it's like instant stardom or whatever and she mm. uses him it's really interesting that scene because he's the only sort of nice guy the only guy we really get to know and she on the one hand uses him in that scene because she says you know i trust you especially after what she's been through with that you know really awful rough scene previous um and he's like coaching her through it and and you know helping you know breathe mm. and you know relax and all of this like stuff um but then you know she's still using him for get you know she's making a strategic move to do that particular scene for free because she knows that it's going to get her somewhere you know the end game is going to get her somewhere yeah. um so it's an interesting use of race and i thought also like that scene is like two um black guys and and they're, they're in this really white house like it's this like clean 
um, clinical kind of opulent sort of rich looking house mm. um, and it just sort of plays you know there's a lot there to be said about the sort of fetishization of black people in porn and black men's penises and like yeah there's a lot there um, that could be discussed yeah yeah I mean I kind of I I thought actually that was probably the most sort of interesting kind of interaction between characters for me was that scene between her and uh, what was his name I don't know um, is it that no. is that is that Chris Cock yes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um and yeah the sort of there was there was a certain level of intimacy yes there, actually yeah yeah because yeah. um, they had that established in the car scene at the very beginning where they were chatting yes. and she's like oh that sounds really racist and he's like it sounds racist because it is yes um and I felt like more could have been done with that that was quite yeah that was that was interesting I guess it was serving a purpose it was trying to that you know that scene very much was sort of as you say tackling particular aspects of the the porn industry and it felt like that that the the film was very much doing that Mm -hmm. in each sort of scene it was it was interesting how it was split but each scene was kind of communicating something it had a message about but but not in a really overt way like in a in a subtle way like we don't one of the things that i thought was interesting that the director had said was like you don't know why any of these characters have got into porn Mm. and she didn't want to focus on anyone's backstories because it's too detracting and that bella also needs to be um a little bit kind of a blank canvas for us the viewer um okay so that we can sort of you know as in many movies you know the protagonist is sometimes a blank canvas because it's you have to be able to put yourself in their place Mm. um but also i thought it was interesting because then it's like we yeah we fetishize uh people's like backgrounds we might see them as you know it's easy to be like oh women in porn are damaged and what have you and if you did know her backstory you'd be bringing that too much into the interactions of in the movie i think you know we get yeah. that snippet from her mum but yeah her mum clearly it's, has no idea <laughs> no no I mean it's no that that is true and I think that is a kind of um sort of f- people do fall back into that imagining sort of uh, people that go into porn are, are damaged in some way um still I kind of I mean that, maybe that's just me personally I want to know the motivations mm. and, and kind of why uh you know and as a director was saying herself when she sort of um did her research within the porn industry for years you know she met women that had phds and had many many different reasons why they wanted to be there um i, I would have been interested in in that but i guess that wasn't maybe the point of this particular um film that's yeah. another film p- potentially yeah yeah another documentary i um, also wonder how much of that is like a young like a a younger perspective like one of the things that I find in all this research that I'm doing is this like disconnect between the sort of old people's when I say old I mean like grown yeah our generation is sort of gen x and elder millennials as we're called um versus a kind of younger generation now where you know you don't want to be making um too many assumptions about why people get into sex work or whether sex work is just kind of you know coercion and trafficking and all the kind of awful damaged you know there are going to be people that go into these things for mostly i'd imagine much more to do with sort of poverty than anything else um well not than anything else but you know it's a contributing factor i think isn't discussed but you know why you go into porn if you're you know this sort of damaged label versus a younger generation who i think do see sex work as work versus older people older you know generations you don't um and Mm. there's a big debate there and it's 
you know so i sometimes wonder yeah maybe it's easier to kind of not go into that in this movie because then it becomes too much again about that debate um yeah yeah, yeah. no agreed no agreed that's a whole other area no no that no that's true um and i get but i guess i was curious about her but again she was the the character was yeah um i guess it was she'd made her decision she was there so it was kind of a she represented a window uh to into that world that you know that that we were yeah sort of um yeah seeing watching um I sort of feel like the main sort of thread of this film is actually about friendships, like the 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 kind of interactions and the exploration of female friendships, I thought was really interesting because, you know, it's like on the one hand, um, you know, they're thrown into this kind of, you know, studenty like housing situation where you just kind of have to make friends and get on with it. Um, and you bond because you're going through all these like experiences together. But then it also looks at like, you know, what you're willing to do to survive and throwing a friend under the bus. And I always felt like there were moments where you could tell, like on the surface, they're supposed to be friends and joys like, oh, just love me and I'll teach you things. And they help each other out and you see them doing their makeup together. But at the same time, that fine line between I love you and I hate you, you know, when they argue and she just joys like, oh, I fucking hate you now. Or, um, you know, the dog, like, you know, she puts up a cat poster above her, Bella puts a cat poster up above her bed and Joy's dog is always like, there's all those scenes where it's just staring at her and she's just like, oh, fuck off dog. Like, and so it's like that, that kind of, um, you know, they, they seem like they like each other, but the reality is she hates the dog because she actually kind of doesn't like Joy either. Do you know what I mean? I yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. But then I kind of, what was the shift though? Yeah, I mean, I kind of... I mean, it was good. It was subtly done because you could sort of think that, you know, uh, Bella had her eye on the prize. She was ambitious yes, yes. and was going to do whatever it took. I like the fact it wasn't as sort of black and white as that, that actually genuinely there was uh, like, yeah, as you say, this sort of um, camaraderie, a closeness, a bonding. Um, but I wonder if it was created because of the world they were existing in. You know uh, that it was difficult. That that they, that, you know, quite isolating. Yeah. In fact, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you have and to I, sacrifice I want... your friendships. Yeah, but but yeah, it well precisely. Um, but also this, it's interesting how they have this sort of um, idea that you put, you know, that there are these houses where women come together. So it's like quite similar to the sort of modelling industry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm where, you know, young models might go overseas and then they'll stay in sort of group yeah. uh, accommodation with yeah. fellow younger models. Um, and imagining that that kind of solves everything, you know, sort of this tokenistic, yes. you know, you'll, this will fix, you know, the isolation, the loneliness, the fact that you don't have, it's unregulated, you don't have much support, but this, this should be enough, you know, women together, it kind of wasn't enough. But they're um, all in competition with each other. Yeah. And the men say that to her right at the beginning, don't they? They're like, Ooh. oh, don't trust the women in that house. Like they'll, yeah. they'll like, yeah, they'll fuck you for their own gain or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And the use of the word drama. Yes. Know, yeah. All these women together and the drama that they they bring, and like within the modelling industry, they've had to really sort of uh, address this the way they've handled it. So mm. the sort of mentors now, yes, um, for younger kind of models. Oh, that's interesting because uh, it's like um, house mums in kind of sororities as well. Yeah, which you know is kind of it's acknowledging 
you know, how difficult it is. Um, yeah, and the sort of powerlessness and this idea of your sort of body being a commodity and actually how that plays out in spaces, the places that they go, it's mm. about their bodies and the sort of line like at the expo show that they all went to, just how, yeah, there was no line. You could touch my body, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can, yeah, really like yeah that was quite quite uncomfortable actually it um, did, it, yeah it's more yeah it's more looking at this thing that I find really interesting in all of this exploration which is this idea of kind of self-objectification for empowerment mm. for empowerment like I find that really fascinating because it's something that sort of pops up in every sort of era you could look at that from you know the 90s Ladette culture early mm. 2000 sort of wags um selfies today like I think it's really relevant this idea of like how we objectify or commodify our bodies ourselves well i think that applies to all kinds of things with social media doesn't it lots of jobs and content creation and you know again our generation i think find it like a bit baffling because we're you know the lot we're the last generation to grow up really without that um in our lives and you know it is it is such a different world you're totally right and that idea of like you know even just like talking with the kids of this idea that like you know if they have phones then school comes home with them and the argument they had with their friend at school continues in their home there's no escape yeah. from your from any element of your life it's all just on all the time mm, yeah, yeah really interesting and blurring blurring um yeah i mean one thing about bella is that you kind of did sense she sort of made kind of bad choices potentially you know by sort of betraying her friend um you did get a sense within her that she had you know to use that word you're very strong mm. she had an inner strength mm-hmm. she clearly knew where she wanted to go um you know and particularly with her apology to Ava you you got a sense that she you know crossed a line and then there was regret she she yes. acknowledged yes that there had been a line that she crossed I mean her apology I guess her sorry wasn't really enough possibly for what she'd done um and obviously the response didn't lead to any further conversation uh, but then she but, did apologize it's not like any of the yeah. we never see a scene where any of the men apologize for treating her that way in that rough scene no and then no. she goes on to i mean again we're talking about empowerment like when she decides to do the double penetration into racial scene basically it's a strategic move for her career she's like i'm going to do the most risque extreme thing because that will get me what i need in terms of followers and attention in order to then get mm. signed to the you know better agent um she's making that decision you know actively um yeah 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 Yeah, which says something i think about her um and it how does it end i'm just trying to think she just uh gets out of the limo at the end and you don't you don't she just says i've got to get out or or i've got to go or i've got um, to leave get out i've got to get out of the car so do you think that's a deliberate you know a deliberate sort of cliffhanger so to speak or are we supposed to infer it's a metaphor for her I mean I don't imagine she's getting out I don't I don't imagine it's her getting out of the car as a metaphor for her leaving the industry no but it's it's kind of leaving that open isn't it but I agree I don't think she's invested yeah she has sacrificed she has you know her eye is ahead very much so um and interestingly she's sort of taking her mum's advice in a weird way because her mum's like just sleep on it 
you know, see, you always say everyone's crazy. You always want to leave a situation. Why don't you just try sticking to it? Obviously, her mom mm. thinks she's doing some sort of internship. But like, yeah, it's it's interesting that we might judge someone for applying that kind of work ethic into a more taboo area of work. But praise someone for doing that in a more, you know, normalized area of work. But I guess the the consequences of that decision are potentially very different, aren't they? So, you know um if her mom really knew what she was doing yeah she'd be like get on a plane and come home yeah, <laughs> yeah totally yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah no really good I'm just wondering is there anything else well I'd quite like to talk about the aesthetics of the of the um whole movie really because obviously this is a movie that is um you know Ninja Thunberg had said that um you know it was important to her to have it kind of have this some girly aesthetic it's a it's a it's a movie from the male gaze uh sorry from the female gaze um you know she had said that in her sort of um thesis and her studies previously about porn you know the, it's not it's kind of what I often say it's not about kind of getting rid of porn or stopping porn it happens it exists there's nothing wrong with being curious about sex or wanting to watch people have sex but um the problem with porn is the male gaze and the kind of gendered issues around you know all of it um and i think the aesthetic is quite interesting again when we're talking about like the different areas like you said the the these kind of shells of these weird houses where they do the kind of rougher gonzo stuff the kind of set and uh professionalism around the um other scene um and then like color there's a lot of color she wears all these bright clothes um she looks quite different because she has all her like tattoos she's this kind of blonde doe-eyed um kind of again i think it's easy to kind of use her as a protagonist where you can then like put yourself on she's a blank canvas because it's kind of like a that aesthetic to us culturally you know a blonde good looking girl is white girl is quite a sort of blank canvas you know in terms of fashion and uh, even art um and like uh, the director had said that you know often you see movies where any sort of dark or hard thing that's tackled is sort of literally filmed in a sort of dark or hard or gloomy way and this is like you know it's not that it's you know she wears all these bright colors the 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 pleasers the shoes the crazy shoes that they wear um you know are like i was at one point i was there was one pair where she's got this kind of um like ombre like neon pair and i was like oh they look amazing <laughs> or like the two of the when she's in that scene with joy they're wearing kind of matching neon sort of fishnet dresses um and it's like girly and mm. colorful and is kind of eye candy and quite the whole movie is quite quite nice to look at in that sense yeah. um and it really it made me really think of um the a photographer that i really like who i used in the workshops is Maisie cousins who does that really sumptuous gorgeous photography that looks at kind of girly things but in a kind of gross kind of they're often like shiny and they're like in you know wet and in, implying kind of bodily bodily sort of not well bodily fluids but i don't know if you remember but it's that look at the kind of like grossness of girliness that exists because we are humans and we are people and we all bleed and shit and fuck and do you know what I mean? And I really yeah, liked yeah. that. It really made me think of that photography. Um, I really liked that element of the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah, I did. I know exactly what, I mean, what you mean. And um, it's true, colour was a really big thing. Um, but I kind of felt it was quite, there's a lot of bright lights, a lot of white kind of rooms and spaces. 
um, so there was this sort of clinical and sort of harsh element to mm-hmm. it as well. I, I, I totally know what you mean. It definitely was a kind of feminist, a feminine, sorry, um, uh, aesthetic. Yeah. But I, I actually did quite like the fact that a lot of the spaces were, you know, this sort of shining a bright light, nowhere to hide, was showing you the reality. I, I thought that was also reflected in the aesthetic. Um, uh, particularly kind of where it was the interracial scene that you know, as you say that space was like blindingly white yeah um, also what she was wearing they covered all her tattoos she was kind of this yes. glowing she almost had uh, sort of bridal-esque underwear on at that point <laughs> yeah yeah which I guess was sort of to you know as part of the the, the scene it's the um, heightening the taboo of it like the storyline for that scene is like oh you're like a rich girl and your parents are out of town and the most kind of you know fuck you daddy thing you can do is get doubly penetrated by two black guys you know what i mean that's that's essentially the kind of theme of that scene that she's filming and then even in that rough scene where she you know she's basically raped like she's wearing really girly i remember when you see her come through the corridor after he's like just he's like just put on whatever i don't care and she comes out and she's wearing like a i think she's wearing like a yellow top and a pink skirt and all the other way around and i was like oh i really i was like i'd wear that i really like that color combo there's like mm, a sort yeah. of it was like a sort of ice creamy bright kind of thing I was like Oof, yes. that looks great <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no 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 like yeah I think I mean I mean definitely the aesthetic was wonderful and I have to say the opening scene of her shaving her vagina oh my god uh, I was like she's so big rough I was like oh my god that looks so <laughs> instantly I just winced <laughs> <laughs> so did I but initially there was something very the way it was shot it was sort of very like beautiful yeah um and I don't think that 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 the, the way that I think that that was shot very differently um agreed it was rough and it was it may, did make you wince but it was this two you know these the, the my response to it was kind of both yeah which which I guess is sort of reflects you're the general feeling when you're watching the film that there's certain uh, sort of pleasing things about it you know some of the scenes were quite erotic um some of them were very beautifully shot yeah um but, but also show there can be discomfort yes and there can be totally and there can be like pain and horribleness can still happen under the you know in the kind of glittery pink lovely environment Absolutely. you know which i guess is what you saw in these kind of the rough sort of ugly space where the rough scene one of the rough scenes was shot and then the sort of very glamorous LA rooftop you know their you know their makeup was their clothes were Mm. they were doing the same things you know essentially so yeah it's yeah but she was after the sort of glossy the the kind of the uh the sort of you know the the elevated level wasn't she if we're talking about this ladder that's yes. kind of what she was what she was after but yeah. at the end of the day the same shit was going down yeah totally um, it doesn't matter what yeah the yeah it doesn't matter what you look like you can look like Ava and be you know this sort of classy looking like she was not naked at that party she was wearing like a suit jacket and she's like I'm yeah. going home early you know that veneer of kind of professionalism and yes. um classiness 
Yeah, um, yeah. But then they're all doing the same job. And we all know, you know, from previously, he says, you know, if you want to be a speaker girl, you have to do absolutely everything. So we yes. know she's she's prepared to do, she's down for anything, theoretically, uh, or yeah. she's consenting theoretically to anything um, in order to obtain that kind of level of like control over your image or I don't know, control over your narrative, I think is an interesting theme here too. Like what is Bella doing to sort of try and control her narrative, particularly when she, after she's, in that rough scene and she's raped like she is then taking control of the situation she then chooses to do that kind of really extreme act um in order to kind of level up in this hierarchy um mm. but are you controlling your narrative if someone tells you or oh, you have to do the worst thing or the extremist thing in order to gain that control again what are we prepared to do to survive yep yep um, and also as sort of consumers of pornography, kind of what might be presented as professional, mm. uh, I guess it's understanding maybe what's going on behind the scenes. It may look a certain way, have a particular veneer, but actually all the same, as we were saying, the same shit's going on. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it just has a glossy kind of cover. So I guess maybe there's that, you know, as a, as consumers, it's worth, maybe that that's a message, kind of think about where this is coming from, you know, what is going on. Absolutely, yeah, and just, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, the illusion of it all, and the illusion of control, the illusion of consent, the illusion of pleasure, I mean, that was the other thing, like, you know, the movie's called Pleasure, what do you think about the movie being called Pleasure? God, I haven't even thought about that, actually. Because I guess the opening scene, she's asked, why are you here? Why have you come here, business mm. or pleasure? And she pauses and, and says pleasure. And, and I guess like there's elements of, there's part of her that is, it's about business, it's about ambition. She has a goal, but also, you know, she talks about the fact that she likes fucking, that this is, it's something she enjoys. You don't get to see much of enjoyment or no. pleasure from her. No, not at all, really. No. Yeah, other than her saying she liked the the uh the sort of feminist porn scene that she does like yes uh yeah there isn't a lot of pleasure really from anyone <laughs> no you know no. yeah she says a... she, yeah she's there for business yeah 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 did she say she was there for business or no she, you're right she, she says pleasure. pleasure but she's yeah, really there for business isn't she she is there for business yeah so what do you think about why it's called that i mean or i agree think i think about? it's interesting and just doing that highlights again the lack of, of female pleasure in in the worst types of porn um and you know the worst types of sex ed frankly there's no pleasure involved we don't have kind of pleasure-based sex ed particularly and that's part of our kind of wider problem i believe but um and again, like, do, are any of the men enjoying it? You know, the guy, the the friend that she trusts to do the double penetration scene with, the only guy we really get to any kind of know in any real level and even then just a little bit, you know, he doesn't really seem to be enjoying it either. He seems quite a, a hesitant porn actor. Um, yeah. And she looks, you know, obviously like she's in pain in that scene. I, I wrote down in my notes that she looked like she was giving birth. Like, it just... Um, yeah, it's massively lacking in all of it. The only pleasure, actually, which I think maybe says a lot, is the aesthetics of it. The only pleasurable thing, really, is just how, like, pretty it is and how the colours are lovely and the... Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it's, yes. It's a, it's a pleasurable experience for the eye, but less so for the kind of heart and brain. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then maybe that says everything about porn. Do you know what I mean? It's for the pleasure of the eye. 
to you know get you aroused and suck you no pun intended suck you in but like um draw you in as a viewer and you know then we can think about you know the male gaze and the female gaze of it all um but yeah there's very little pleasure yeah it's you know that that is true and I guess it's kind of it's quite honest to sort of view you know porn in that way it is a means to an end and it's quite a quick process it's Mm. need to work to draw you in aesthetically like the way it looks um but then again I guess what's missing is the sort of uh, um kind of where it potentially could take you in terms of fantasy you know like Mm -hmm. we've talked about this previously um and I don't know if that's sort of maybe more of a sort of female kind of uh kind of desire in terms of being aroused and and uh kind of yeah I, it's I, I guess there's sort of you know there's, there's a shame that, that that kind of isn't more I guess maybe that, that that isn't part of the porn industry you know this kind of idea of capturing your sort of imagination tapping into sort of fantasies or more sort of narrative you know um it's not part of that porn industry for sure i think i think there are definitely ethical pornographers out there who are really centering that idea um and making that like a real motivation for why they make movies and then how they make movies as well because then that's engaging more isn't it like mind and you know what you're saying um Oh God, what was I going to say? Um, well, it's funny. I was going to say what in reaction to what you're saying, the um, director was asked in the polyester interview about um, three words to describe the movie. And she said, true, strong and human, which I thought was interesting. Okay. But what you're saying about kind of, yeah, the human element of it, it seems weird to take pleasure. You know, the whole point of sex being pleasurable is so that we do it. So we procreate, right? And obviously, again, we're talking about heteronormative sex there, but like, that's the function of it is and the reason it's pleasurable is so we like want to do it you know and yeah, that's no, completely taken out of it it is no absolutely well I guess um it's a I suppose porn is a facilitator um uh, to, to doing something um that, that goes on outside it goes on outside in the world we are it's not a full circle without the viewer you know yeah um, which, you know, the scope of the film couldn't sort of include that. Um, I think it does a good job, this film, of looking at all these complex things, not really preaching to one way or the other about them, um, Mm. but looking at them in a very honest way and through a lens that um, allows you to kind of not only take on what it's trying to tell you but then think about it yourself and again if she's a blank canvas so we can kind of put ourselves in her shoes at times um and so Mm. in that sense i liked it a lot of people were comparing it to showgirls which i thought was a really like not fair comparison they were basically like oh this is a kind of better version it's less camp version of showgirls which was supposedly created um to be a kind of look at the industry and the women in the industry and how they treat each other and what they want to do to how they sort of stab each other in the back to raise up a hierarchy or whatever but and it just turned out to be a big campy mess but like i don't think that's very fair because i I don't i think this film is trying to do something in much more uh, nuanced or mm. or at least maybe they are attempting to do similar things and i feel like this film is more successful but i don't know like i don't think that's a very fair comparison 
I haven't seen it, so can't comment. <laughs> it's like the it's like a super old movie with like Carl I've Lockman. heard it. Yeah, and the, one yeah. of the girls from Saved by the Bell. And it's I mean, don't even bother. I mean, unless you really want to watch a ridiculous cat movie, but it's basically about um, sort of showgirls in Vegas. Right. And it has a similar thing where there's like a new girl who's rising through the ranks who kind of um, backstabs her mentor and you know it does terrible things and you know what yeah but it's just like not good (laughs) (laughs) so what would you say you would take from this film what have you like one thing that you is your take home what what have you learned kind of understood thought about like your yeah the main thing that um you take from it i think for me uh which may not be the same as obviously well obviously isn't gonna be the same as everyone but because i'm 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 very aware of the kind of debate around the ethics of porn and consent and, and performing and all those things because that's what i've been looking at and about its kind of legacy of you know gender stereotyping and racism and um all the kind of gendered issues around it and the male gaze and the female gaze so i think for me this it it was an interesting look at female friendships um because you know it's it's that kind of um oh we should all just like hold each other up and help each other uh, survive patriarchy but that is so hard to do and we're not all the same um and um and also the men in it it made me really you know again because i do so much work around kind of looking at things from a female perspective actually it really made me sit down for the first time in a really long time and think god what about the men in this industry you know they get paid less than the women i always think that's a really annoying argument though because um i don't think you can just be like oh they get paid more therefore it's like oh actually are we not just paying them off (laughs) a lot of the time it's not necessarily a great argument that women make more money in porn um so it made me really think about the guys you know like even how like some of the performers then had the cameras and were doing those shots because obviously they were saying oh you know the whole point of it is it's supposed to be filmed from the male perspective as if the man is fucking the woman in those scenes so they give those so they give those men the camera to get the close-ups so even the performers have got that next level of like oh he's not only a performer but he's also kind of directing and telling her what to do so the power dynamic there changes a little bit as well um so it really made me wonder like the the two guys in that rough scene like what what did they think they were doing and how were they all right with it and is it kind of like the bottom line just like this shit sells and they want to make money um versus like the guy with all the tattoos in the in the kind of more consensual scene who was very like checking in with her he's like tap me on the leg if you want me to slow down tell me this tell me that look me in the eyes and you get all these close-ups of his face Mm. in that you see that you see that interaction from her perspective so we see him coming up to the camera as if we're looking from bella's perspective whereas in the other scenes we see bella's face from the men's perspectives that's true yeah i mean there's such a shift with that particular scene um and that's so fascinating kind of what you're saying because talking to you I wouldn't have even thought about the men's perspective mm. and I guess in a way the film shot so that you, in a way you don't yeah um so it's interesting that you picked up on that um it allowed the space for it I think yeah no I, I totally agree with you um, what, what would be your one takeaway then to end on um, it's hard to have one but it is um I, I guess I don't feel like it's actually taught me anything kind of brand new about 
the the, the porn industry. No. Um, no great revelations. Um, I thought it was a good film in terms of it's from a perspective of somebody. I like the fact that in a way she was a blank canvas. You could relate to her. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, again, it was just what I said earlier. It's this this two contrasting scenes, which could which could be described as being a bit clunky. You know, two very different scenes, and mm-hmm. then you you're contrasting and comparing them when you watch it. Um, but just I think it's that idea of how, again, coming back, how difficult it is to, you know, this idea of consent and the the sort of subtleties of power imbalance and how it can just tip so easily one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how you have to be, all of us need to, and, and sort of in terms of you think, talking about sex ed, how do you communicate that? Um, when it's so difficult for so many of us at this age mm-hmm. to sort of unpack it, yeah. you know, I had to kind of really look and compare those scenes to really obviously straight off. You could see what was happening. You know, one was wrong. She was uh, essentially she was being raped. Uh, uh, the other one was a sort of positive experience, but kind of going into it and sort of picking out what were the specific differences. What was so wrong about one and what was so right and I guess it's how do you teach that um and it kind of makes me think about uh that film uh, by that uh, uh, she's a writer and she's an actress on tv she's British she's a uh, black British um and it was I will oh I made you. a story yeah yeah Michaela Cole yeah and how she was sort of exploring these ideas of consent again like these little these sort of experiences that happen to these women and to her and just how uh, um, yeah this sort of abuse of power this um, yeah and the, the sort of subtleties of it I think it's just again and again and again it kind of shocks me um, uh, yeah yeah so that that was the main thing because we me. talk about consent in this sort of the discourse being very like you need consent you need enthusiastic consent it's a yes or a no but obviously it's not, you know, it's a, it's a sort of continually moving thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's often quite theoretical. Like we we're saying, there was so much coercion involved in that uh, rape scene. Um, and it's actually a really movable, complex thing. It really is. You know, she's yeah. literally tied up in, she cannot move at all mm. in the kind of more consent, in the actual consensual scene. Yeah. And she has control. But interestingly, again, it needed to be given to her from the outside, in a sense. It it required other people to be on board for that to be fully consensual, which, again, this lack of power and control. So in order for her, for Bella to have control, it, it, it still needed to sort of be given to her, like checking the code words but again that's because it's unregulated these things aren't laid down they're not kind of um which is in contrast to what we're saying earlier about the burden of consent being often on the woman in like when again when we're talking about sex ed you know it's like with the boys that i was in those classes with it's like you know it's listen to women listen to the partner all of that's obviously you know really good Mm. um and but again it was that kind of in this you know it's checking in yeah, but again it's like in. it's like the woman it, but again it's up to her to mm. say you know that there's no like i don't know i don't know how you have that conversation with kids but like because obviously the nuance of sex comes with experience as well but like 
um yeah it's the burden of consent the burden of, of it is is laid on the women to speak up you know in a world where we're told like not to say anything and to shrink and to and to yeah. not speak up and not like be dramatic or cause trouble or be difficult you know and and it can't just be the the yeah, it is a burden it can't just be on one person as we saw in that scene it was about everyone being in on it it was almost like you know when you see um uh in other movies where someone's being like a film star and they'll sit in the chair and they'll have the crew of like doing the makeup and bringing her a coffee and she's got her nails and they're all kind of fussing around a, a movie star when you know when they're kind of preparing for a film or something yeah. it almost felt like like a scene like that she had all those people being like lay her down and hold her head and give her a water and check she's okay and put like you said put a robe on and telling her like oh you know have a stretch and a bath afterwards and here's how to take care of yourself after the scene is finished when you're then off like you were saying when you're not on mm. like considering you as one person a continuum not just uh yeah know, this uh th- th- you know that that you have this role yeah I mean I'm just back to this idea of what are they called which um again fascinates me this intimate intimacy, intimacy coordinators yeah that is just like a whole that just blew my mind kind of there is such a thing but obviously it's essential but isn't it so interesting it just shows you how nuanced all of this is that it requires a specific person on a film set Mm. to take care of that and again it's this we can't seem to do it for ourselves we can't seem to do it for others we need help with this um and again, it was really fascinating to, to hear about the director. It took six years to make the film. And part of it was because of the, that particularly difficult scene. Like, mm. How do you film such a violent sort of uh, uh, rough scene without sort of, um, yeah, whilst protecting the 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 actors um yeah well, i don't know if we read maybe we've been doing this looking at the same resource of, for research but the director said they didn't have an intimacy coordinator because it wasn't a thing so what oh, she really? had done she said this was the scene they had the most prep for um and what they did was they had so like the because the girl sophia capola who plays bella is just a normal girl she's never acted before she's the only like non-actor in the movie in fact mm-hmm. and um she had so they brought over like their best mates from sweden so her best friend was there the director's best friend was there they obviously had lots of prep lots of discussion she was saying the men involved were all actually really wonderful people who were and so they spent a lot of time like creating a really safe space in order to do that scene Mm. um and they'd had all their kind of they had like loved ones who were there and then she said everybody on set had had the opportunity like could say cut at any point so anyone behind or in front of the camera not just the director had the power to go no i'm not comfortable with this or i don't feel or like you know if they sense that that um sophia wasn't happy or you know anything um so they did in and that's interesting like isn't it because there's no like you're saying intimacy coordinators are quite a new thing Mm. so there was no framework so they kind of used essentially the sort of love and and friendship and safe spaces in their own lives to create a safe space to to film the film uh film that scene rather fascinating absolutely but again it comes back to this idea that no one can do it on their own yeah totally you know to make that work that that required you know so many people in that space and with this the power to say this doesn't feel right um yeah it's no that's so that's that's really interesting um but yeah no so that yeah they're the main things that sort of 
I connected with um, on it. But I did really, it's gripping, uh, such a well-made film. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the acting at points, which I understand, a, a lot of the sort of actors are not trained. Well, they're actors. all porn actors, yeah. Yeah, um, but it did give this sort of sense of authenticity and a kind of rawness, which independent films, you know, sort of it's familiar and and it worked. Yeah. Worked yeah, out. I think had it felt like they were all kind of professional actors, actors, it wouldn't have had any of the same impact. Like you just would have not been able to got past the like veneer of it all, I think. No, agreed. The film is available to watch on Mubi.com and there's a really great interview with the director available on the Polyester Zine podcast. If you'd like to know more about Money Shot, you can check us out on the Mother Projects Instagram account. That's M-U-V-A dot projects. Thanks for listening.